Welcome to the Mothers on the Frontline podcast. Mothers on the Frontline is a nonprofit organization founded and run by mothers of children with mental illness to promote caregiver healing and children's mental health justice through storytelling. Our vision is a world in which mental health is destigmatized, respected, and prioritized as an integral part of the overall health of individuals, families, and communities. In this episode, we hear from Diane Thacker, a social worker by profession, stay-home mom by choice, and someone who is dedicated to helping other families find the resources they need to help their children. So hello, thank you for being with us today. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself before or outside of mothering? Who are you? What do you love to do? What are your passions? Okay, um, I'm Diane Thacker. I'm a um, social worker by profession, a stay-at-home mom by choice. Uh, I, I dubbed myself as a resource specialist uh, later in the game. I'm 50 years old and I'm ageless. I okay? love that. Yeah. I don't, um, you know, I don't get into, oh my gosh, I'm going to be old now. Um, I celebrate birthdays because you can, no matter the glow on the cake. That's right. Okay. Um, I love to read books, but I have a kind of a weird quirk about it. I start reading some of the end pages first. Oh, do you? You like so to I, know what's coming? Yeah. Or to kind of see what the outcome's going to be, because then if I get hooked in, then I can go back to and start reading it. Otherwise, it's boring. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> and then it takes like maybe two or three days just to get it done. Right. Okay. Um, I like to do genealogy. Um, although that wasn't a bug issue to begin with. For those genealogists who go, I know, I know the bug. Um, it became, a, uh, uh, let's see, what can I call that? An assignment when I was 14 and I was uh, in my great aunt's house um, in a small town called Zerin, Iowa. She uh, asked me one day, and I was like, well, maybe I was like 11 years old, if I knew who my family was. And, and of course, I knew my mom's side because that was all we knew. And I didn't understand the question as to why she was asking me that. So I'm like, why? And she says, well, because, you know, I'm working on my family tree here. And I'm like, oh, wow. she has got a big table with all of her books and the papers. And, and I'm looking at her bay, this big way, bay window. And I'm like, I wish I could be outside now. But I couldn't. So we were, you know, we were hanging out and she says, no, come here, Diane, come here. So we started looking at her stuff and I was kind of like, wow. And she started connecting the dots. And for me now, connecting the dots is very important. It doesn't always happen, but you, when you look back at your life and you see things happening, you're like, oh, wow, that's why that happened. And we'll get to that later. Um, So then um, just about that time, uh, I was given a homework assignment. So that kind of fell into place. There's your dot, one of your dots. And so it said, well, you know, both sides of your family. So in this case, um, we didn't know that much about my dad's side. My dad had died when um, I was six and a half. Really? I, yeah, I was. And, but I did know him, and I had I have memories of him. Um, he was very determined. Uh, he dealt with, he had some health, some, uh, health issues of his own. But it was very determined and very passionate. He knew uh, he wrote poetry, which is what I do now. Um, it was just me and my brother and my mom. Um, I don't know. He And he liked putting things together with his hands, fences and stuff. And he also cared for small animals. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, 
I do remember one day, um, he, he was around, but I remember stepping outside of my house and there was what appeared to be a woman who was homeless. And I really felt the need that I needed to go and give her something. But my mom was like, we don't know that person. But there was that social worker helping persona of myself that was coming out early. Um, I lived in the neighborhood where, you know, it was deemed unsafe. But to me, it was like, no, there's nothing unsafe here. My friends are here. I still have, I have a friend who I've known her for, let's say I'm 50 years old now. Uh, seven, uh, what is that? What's that, seven? For 43 years old. For 43 years, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We did, you know, we went everywhere together, got lost together, got in trouble together (laughs) (laughs) for a month together. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so then, uh, one day, you know, an event happens where you have to move out of your neighborhood so you move from your one location to another. At the time, you're like, I don't understand why. But going back, mm-hmm. you look at the little, okay. Um, <clears throat> so that put me into a parochial school versus um, a public school. And yes, there are differences there. And maybe, and I'm not connecting the dots, it made me understand when I have my kiddos now, the differences of that. Um, so I went to parochial school up until, uh, high school and then, um, a Catholic school, um, and then into college at Grandview. And I really didn't know, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm like, well, I have no idea. Um, but again, I knew that I had that part of me that wanted to help. Right. And so I took a, um, BA in human services. I would love to say that my professors were all, you know, Black and white, and this is what you're going to do when you get out of here? No, it wasn't like that. He would tell stories about his world and, and experiences, and I wouldn't understand why that had to do with the material in the book. Mm-hmm. But as I got older and began to understand, social work is not like that. You know, it's not like wrote down in a book. You may learn it, but you've got to go outside the box to live it. Uh, a little bit. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and then when you're first learning the ropes of how to do that, um, I got my first, well, I was a nanny uh, right before my, you know, I worked at the Boys and Girls Club, but as a nanny too. Um, so that gave me the ability, small, to work with somebody and their family mm-hmm. and to bring the experiences that I had there. Right. Um, so I did that for a couple of years. And then I uh, worked at um, one of the facilities here in town um, as a youth service worker. Mm. I worked with offenders. Wow. Yeah. So you've really been working with young people. Yeah, and, and families. And for families. Uh-huh. Your whole life. Right? Yeah, right. And in the mix of that, I worked at um, one of the nursing homes. I was a receptionist, but I still had to know what was happening on the floor, making sure that they weren't going to walk out the door. Right. Being, you know, if one of the residents came up to me and said, hey, I really want to talk, to be an empathetic person to them, to, you know, feel them out to see if they needed anything at that time. Um, be <laughs> be able to be on call when the flood came, because that was during the time when the flood of 1993 came through. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, I couldn't go home that night. And the bridge, the bridge had shifted. So uh, they asked me if I knew how the, the staff there at the uh, receptionist um, 
asked me if I knew how to do a six phone phone line. <laughs> no, I not at the time, but I had learned really quick how. And again, the dots came together because I got a phone call from a, um, she used to be a telephone operator and she was looking for a way to help. And she says, I'm like, yeah, can, just one second. Can't she? Yep. She can come. And so she was able to come uh-huh. and take care of the phone line. But if I didn't answer that phone at the time, right. we wouldn't have had that connection to, yeah. yeah. So, so you've really been helping people all along from the whole spectrum. Yeah. So geriatric, yeah. vendors, families, yeah. really everybody. Yeah. Um, I did some um, volunteer stuff. I would do hospice a little bit. Um, I didn't, I, I went for the training and I didn't really have to use it until well, a friend of mine went. So mm-hmm. I, then I was able to understand the world a little bit more. Right. If I had gone in there, you know, cold, I wouldn't have been able to feel and what to do and how to respectfully walk in. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so so let's yeah. see. So um, my life was pretty much, yeah, social work filled up until about 2003. Um, we had been, I had gotten married um, and he, uh, he's a jack of all trades. He, you know, fireman, ambulance driver, you name it, and he's done it, corrections and all that. Um, <laughs> he he was somebody that um, your mom would go, hmm, you know. But I was like, yeah, I like him. And that's all the way it's, it's going to be that way. And I just knew, okay. Yeah. But I hadn't, we hadn't gotten married uh, right away. It was we waited for four years. I wanted to finish college, and I wanted him to figure out what he wanted to really do and then go from there. Yeah, so we got married, and um, we were told we were told that we wouldn't be able to have babies. Oh wow, that's that's hard. That is hard, and I know there's you know a few of us out there who, when I say that, they go, "Wow, well, yep, I've been there, done it," and it's you know it's it's kind of hard to hear, especially it has if you to be. yeah, especially if you wanted to have them. Yeah. So we're like, well, and there's that no. I'm like, well, no, 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 no. You don't like no. No. (laughs) Well, you know, there's no for a reason. You know, is it going to hurt you? Is it it something you can't do yet? Okay. But if there's like this, um, well, maybe. Then I'm like researching because that's what I do too. I'm a resource specialist. And I try to find those ways to do it. Now, in my particular world, um, it comes down to my my faith, my spiritual direction, my, well, I'm Catholic, so there's a certain um, expect, well, not expectation, but uh, procedures, or I'm not sure, there's a different word for that. But anyway, of how that comes about. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we prayed about it a lot, and we um, followed the protocol of the church, basically. And um, still, after being married 10 years, you know, it was, it was well, okay. It's not time yet. Maybe it's, right. yeah, we'll know. Um, and then uh, we sat down in church and it was during the uh, Christmas season. And we were talking about uh, going and adopting, you know, and I was pregnant, didn't know it. I hear that a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear that other people adopt yeah. and then they get yeah. pregnant. It's yeah. so interesting. Yeah. And, um, my first child was born in 2005, and, uh, you know, it, it was a long time, of, you know, but he finally came, 
And uh, I don't know. My friend calls me on the phone and congratulates me. And she says, are you going to do it again? I'm like, yeah, sure. She goes, no, that was just a drug. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, no. But I, I, was, I was willing to do it again. Um, I, like I said, I worked up until about, well, it was 2006, actually. Yeah. Because when my son Robert was born, he appeared to meet, meeting all of his milestone, milestones. Um, but then about 10 months, I'll call it, the cloud came over him. Oh, that's he, young. What happened? Yeah, he uh, lost his verbals. He had already been speaking, you know, mom and dad and all that. But his verbalization went away. Yeah. Now, you know, you could say we had we had all of his shots at that point. And there's some on the fence that go, well, you know, shots might have done it. Or maybe it was because he didn't get enough oxygen. I mean, I don't know. Um, but he lost his uh, sense of speech. He started to, when he was walking, he'd walk almost into things. Mm-hmm. Or he, like he would see you, but he would still walk into you. Things like that. And so, um, again, being as a social worker, had some experience, didn't quite understand, but knew something was a little bit odd, especially when he was watching a show, uh, Baby First TV, and there was a bird, and he's flapping his arms. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. But when the bird went away, he's still flapping his arms. And I'm like, well, that's a little bit strange. Okay. So I knew enough to, you know, say, okay, I need to reach out to, you know, Say, hey, what's happening here? So in this case, yeah, I did call AEA. And I know they came out and went through all their assessments and evaluations. And they said behavioral stuff. And I went, mm, not no. Autism. Not autism. Really? Yeah, no, not autism. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of, their, one of their representatives came out and tested him. It wasn't autism. And, but they were, they were bound to determine it was all behavioral. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. But in my head, it was like, no. There is something more going on here. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was um, also part of the parents as um, presenters back then. Or no, sorry, parents as teachers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a very good friend of mine there, she said, no, Diane, you know, I've known you well enough to know that when you're fussing about something, maybe that's what's something else is going on with him. Yeah. yeah. And so she said, you know, Yes, you have his evaluation. That's fine. But do you think maybe you want to try another right. person or entity or you know, organization? I'm like, yeah, I do. So she gave me the list, which in this case I was familiar with giving lists because I had also worked at um, Children's Resource and Resort Referral System for those who wanted to know about daycare. I see. Right. Yeah. Right. So, again, I was advocating for families. And, you know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to know where you put your child or I wouldn't be able to tell you, but I would be able to give you a list based on where you were working or your home environment, mm-hmm. and you would have to go out and take care of that. So it was it was comfortable for me to go, okay, well, here's this list of, let me make phone calls right. and figure it out. Well, I fell upon ChildServe. Right. Yeah. And um, they did their evaluations, and they said sensory processing disorder. Mm-hmm. And I went, what was that? I had no idea. That's a big term for uh, lots of issues. Right. And I thought, oh, no. Okay, now that, I mean, it felt good to know there was a word, but then what is it? How does it work? How's it going to affect Robert? How's it going to affect my family? You know, all of those questions come up. Right. And I didn't at that time have 
an advocate in my corner to say, let's walk this together and figure things out. But I also knew that since I had a social worker hat on my head, that I could start doing that. And I also knew that I had people in the field that if I got stuck, okay, I'm going to go ask them too. Um, It was scary at that time because I still didn't know what I was getting into. I didn't know what questions to always ask. Um, So there were times that the experts seemed more higher than me. But even that, I began to fuss with that because I was like, no, wait a minute. No, this is my child here. Right. And I've seen him get to this stage and I'm still not seeing what they're seeing. Right. So there, when we had conversations, it was like, well, are you, are you, one, are you listening? Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. Right. Yeah. Right. right. You know, yeah. um, two, you know, am I seeing the same things that you're seeing? Is there a middle ground that we come together and go, okay, let's meet right here and figure things out? Or am I going to have to say to you, which is really hard, I don't want to use your services because then you feel like you've made a mistake. Right. Okay. What you didn't, you're just advocating, as they say, for your kid, for your child, and making the best decision that you know you're supposed to make, which is sometimes hard to know even then. Yeah. Yeah. So I took that sensory processing word that I learned about Robert and I researched it and the computer blew up of all of these different things about it. And I'm like, wow. You know, if you were to ask me then, you know, are you swimming, drowning or whatever? No, I was drowning because I had no idea what that meant. Like I said, did the descriptions you're reading, they seem to fit. They fit, but it was just like, okay, so how is it going to go away? What are you going to do? How long is this going to be? And I remember one day, because there's my spiritual part about me, we went into therapy again for that day. And I came out just really like, whew, how long is this going to be? And for me, there was those handicap signs. Well, a little bird had flew up on top. And then didn't stay there. And it flew all the way to the top of the building and stood there. As if to say, Diane, don't look at the handicap. Go up higher. Mm-hmm. Go beyond it. It's going to be okay. You may not understand it. it. He might not be here that long. But you need to keep going higher because you're going to go on this path and you're going to help him get past that label. Right. That right. sign. Nice. And, it, and it worked out like that. He graduated. He found his voice. He did. Um, I, there were many times where I stood, if, they, if, if other people know about child if they have a viewing window and I wrote down every single word that he was doing. The social workers would come behind me. What are you doing? Oh, yeah, that's right. You are. So he did get his voice back. He got back. his voice he back. Yeah. That's wonderful. He learned a little bit about boundaries, although he was still, you know, bumping into things. I put him into soccer for the first time with sensory processing disorder. And that was <laughs> learning lesson 101. It's okay. Bottom line. However, when you're out there and the kiddos are running around and your kiddos kind of running into or through them and you have other parents who do not know what's going on and they're not coming to you to ask or they're going to my mom to say, what's going on? Or the coaches, why is she out there? If they simply would have said, come here, I would have simply said, well, the coaches said it could be out there because my child deals with this. Right. And I want to be able to be there to help him through this situation I put him in 
one, and I don't want them going through your your child and hurting them. Oh, okay. Advocacy. Right, yeah. right, right. And protection. It never ends, right? It's right. Every yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, you right. have to be the advocate. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, you know, I learned what he could and could not do. I learned as he got older what situations wouldn't fit for him. I learned even when you were talking to a possible person or organization about, hey, what do you think? Would Robert fit in your world? And they would go, hmm, not so much, mm. without even an interview or a situation where they go, let's try that. Right. Yeah. So even that began to change my perspective of how I was going to approach things, which now I do. I I, I, I still find things for Robert to do. Uh, he just turned 13. Well, that's a whole other field, but that's a whole other day. Uh, <laughs> um, but I still, if I call and say, a cold call and I say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about bringing my child here. Okay, so what is it that you guys do? How many kiddos do you have? You know, this is all about Robert. This is what he's all about. What do you think? And I now get, you know what? Mm, let's bring him in. Mm-hmm. Let's fill it out. You know, and, and if it doesn't work, I said, yep, that's exactly right. I want to know straight right then. It's fine. But we give him the chance. Give him the chance to, right. show, you know, to show what he can do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Um, I did have a, a, you know, a middle child, Michael. Um, he's all boy. He he's he's doesn't have any health concerns. Um, he's very perceptive. He's a mini me. Uh, loves music. Loves to dance. Uh, artistic. Um, he also, and I try not to put him in that position. And he kind of goes there. He caretakes. Talk mm-hmm. about that because yeah. this the whole sibling issue is so fraught. Yeah, how to navigate and help our. Other kids right. deal with it as well. So talk about that. Um, well, when I was going through college, you know, we talked about siblings and how they're, you know, they're not on the front line. They're in the middle. Um, they're picking up things. They're, you know, whether or not do I want to be their brother? Do I want to be their sister? Do I want to deal with this? I have emotions, too. I'm in lost here. Where do I fit? Right. Yeah. And when he was younger... Um, Robert, he would act out. Unfortunately, he would act out on his brother. Mm-hmm. So I would have to, you know, Robert, we can't do that because that's hurtful to him. You know, and then have to attend to Michael and try to explain to him, well, you know, he's not hurting you because, you know, he's hurting you because of this issue. And so it became kind of clouded. And, you know, of course, Michael had to grow into that, sadly, fortunately. And then fortunately, because now he can understand on some level that it's not Robert that he sees and there is a difference if they get into the sibling rivalry thing. That yeah, this is a sibling rivalry thing. It's not the issue of Robert. Okay, it's not the sensory part of Robert, versus that. Oh, that is, and I kept respond a different way. That's yeah. always the case, right? Because yeah. when you have a child with any kind of disability or difference, they're still kids, and they're still going to push limits and so on yeah. that may have nothing to do with the disability or difference. Yeah, and the same thing with siblings. There's uh-huh. still going to be sibling, right? Exactly. So that, but it's as hard as it is for us to tease out. It must be hard for a sibling to tease out too. And he and he would come to me a couple of times and say, "Okay, mom, how come I don't have an issue? Mm. Where's okay?" So the the, the the three, and there's there's four kids also in my life, but the three get, you know, SSI, which is a whole other thing, too. Where's my check? Uh-huh. Where's my illness? Mm. Well, Michael, and so we had to explain and help him to understand that, well, that's not where God put him. Right. Okay. Right. 
you know, that's that's a Michael is Michael. And okay, well, Michael might have a few differences that he was when he was going to school. Mom, they're teasing me about that. Ah, well, Michael, let's use it this way. Right. They're seeing a difference. I don't see it. Mom and dad don't see it. Mm-hmm. But can you, and so when we got past all the, you know, the tears and the understanding and trying to, you know, talk them through that. Now, Michael, let's, let's look at that to, to Robert. Okay, right. Robert's going to have this as long as he has this, and it will be a difference for the rest of his life. And other people are going to be seeing that, and they're not going to understand. Similar, because you don't understand why they're picking on you. Right. So I, so I utilize that. So they're all lessons. They're, they're life all, lessons. Yeah, they're all life lessons. Yeah. Um, so also, I you know, in college you learn about how you take your kiddo and you can give him into his own group, his own situation. Mm-hmm. So mom and dad, we, we spend time each with a child. Mm-hmm. Or in this case, I put in Michael into a sip shop. That's, that's, that's great you had it. Can you talk about that? Because not uh-huh. everyone knows what that is or yeah. has something like that. Uh, sip shop is with the respite connection, or at least they well, I think they still are, um, where the kiddos who do not deal with special health needs go and be with their peers. And they can talk and they can do games, crafts, whatever, and just kind of have a day by themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where they get to shine. Yeah, where they get to shine. Um, and I know there's a couple of churches, organizations here too, other outside of respite, that they have, um, they have uh, those peer groups too, where Michael can just go and, and be with his peers. And it's you know, it's in this particular case, it's religious space, but it doesn't have to be um, something. Something could do. Yeah, counselors yeah, could have yeah. sibling groups. Recreational centers, yeah. could, churches can. So, listen, anyone listening out there, a great kind of program. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, so please do because you know we don't have a lot of a year in right. Des Moines proper, and it, it seems there are those out there. But yes, in the rural area, a lot. It's even it, harder. It's even harder it's to even find harder. those. Yeah, and, and that's a kind of program that's not that hard to develop. Mm-hmm. It's just getting kids together. Yeah, yeah, right, and finding out what their likes and do, you know what they like to do, right. and then just sitting down and having a discussion, even. Hi, what's going on? And then let them tell you and hang back. And, and let them be kids. Yeah, let them be kids. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. So he's now um, he's now a middle schooler. Wow. So in, in, in his world, he's filling out the differences of that. You know, What does it mean to be a middle schooler? Sure. Okay. Sure. I was just coming in from kindergarten to fifth grade and kind of knew my way. And now what does it mean to be a middle schooler getting ready to go into high school? He's kind of worried about that. So, And I've also set him up with a counselor, too, or the guidance counselor, too. So he's had that chance to be able to vent. You know, he can vent to me, but, you know, they they don't always want to. That's all. That's fine. Especially another adult. Another another mentor. Yeah. Yeah. So so in this journey, like, what kind of things have been barriers to getting um, your son the help he needs who mm -hmm. has a sensory processing disorder or his siblings? Either one, what are the barriers or difficulties you've encountered? Well, um, initially with Robert, the barriers were those that were the quote unquote the experts. Mm. That's funny mm-hmm. to talk about that. What do mm-hmm. you? Yeah. yeah. Well, to flesh it out a little bit more, when when you're a social worker by profession and a stay at home mom by choice, for me, I wear two hats. And when you go to the table at school and you're doing an IEP for your kiddo for the first time, 
And yes, I had that in college and kind of like dismissed it. Like, oh, I don't want that. I don't even know that. I'm not, not going to be using that. Well, of course I am. <laughs> you <laughs> never know. Never, there's mean. another dot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That work, work, work. Um, when you sit at the table at the IEP for the first time and you're hearing language that you have not heard before, or you're having those experts sit in front of you and they're having their conversation between each other and they're doing their scheduling and they're doing their meetings and you haven't been in behind an organization for a long time, so you don't remember scheduling meetings. Right. And you ask the question, well, what does this mean? It's almost as if you walked into another planet. Yeah. You're like, well, what do you mean? What does this mean? Don't you understand that? Well, no. And it's not written in the language of just here it is spelled out with A, B, C. Your child's going to do this and this and this. Oh, no. no. The, the, I mean, it's a whole different world of... I would call it sometimes alphabet soup, all the acronyms. If you're not in that sphere, you don't know what all they mean. Mm -hmm. And it can be very confusing. Yeah, yeah. And so the the first, I would say the first five years, yeah, well, of Robert's Robert's school, because now he's middle or seventh grade, I found myself reaching out to Ask Resource Center. Yeah. Yeah. And there they have parent educators and navigators and the advocates that come and sit with you. And that way you're not feeling like you're by yourself, that you can reach over and go, what is this again? Or, um, you know, you could actually say, you know, I got to leave the room for a minute because I'm getting overwhelmed and it's okay. And they're not going to go, okay, you know what? It's okay for you to do that. Versus having to check yourself all the time going, what am I supposed to do here? Right. Yeah. I mean, we work so hard teaching our kiddos what we're supposed to do. But as parents, you know, dealing with IEPs and everything else, the special health needs, we don't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. let's talk about that for a minute because IEP meetings or individualized education plan meetings when your child's in special ed are very stressful for, mm-hmm. for parents. And I think part of it is just what you said. They're very emotional for us. It's not only difficult to figure out what the child needs and be part of the IEP team and everyone struggling to figure out what the best thing is. That's one thing. But when it's your kid, yeah. it's the love of your life yeah. suffering. Yeah. And you want to figure out how to change that. And that's painful. And yeah. so you can't just take off those emotions conveniently mm-hmm. and then figure it out. No. <laughs> No, no. So it is overwhelming. Yeah, it is. I mean, there uh, we've there have been times where my husband and I attended the meetings, and just because I felt those barriers come up again, and you know, they or I wasn't I wasn't being heard, or it wasn't being explained in a manner that was timely, because mm-hmm. they're all looking at their watch like, you know what, I've got another meeting to go to, and I'm like, wow, really? No, no. Mm-hmm. If we're gonna have an IEP meeting, we need to sit down and go. You know what? It's gonna take as long as it takes. Right. One, mm-hmm. and then two, it's gonna come. You know, it's gonna have to be written out that you're going to understand the language and it may you know it may just be that we have that and come back at another time and regroup and figure it out until we get exactly what we want and then that's okay yeah and that's okay um so there were several meetings that were like that um i can say going forward now i've had i also have twins that's fun. And chocolate is my dessert. The other plate, um, <laughs> you know, so I, I have twins and they're boys as well. And they just started kindergarten. Um, and, and I, another thing I could throw in there before I get into that is it's the environment. Mm-hmm. When you, when you put your child in the right hands of the right school and you know it and, 
you can walk away knowing that even though there's going to be a meltdown or if you have to get called back up, it's going to be okay because that team's right behind you too as you're walking back into that school to take care of it. Well, in, in, in Robert's situation and the twins, for middle school, and I don't have a problem saying where, Hyatt, that school for Robert and those teachers, mm. night and day, night and day, they love him and mm. they they just come together and they, they make everything spelled out and it's, I don't know, it was just really good to know that they are behind him. And he went from having all these behaviors and acting out to, hi, how you doing? You know, and I love you. And they love it back. And it's, and, and it just, you can see yeah. he really wants to go and he's shining and he's, he's working out. His, so when it came to the twins to have their first um, IEP and their evaluations and everything, I didn't have an ask resource person next to me. I didn't have that advocate next to me because I've had all these years of Robert teaching me basically his his um, sensory issues, the IEP and all that. I was able to sit down at the table and go, hello, my name is Diane. I'm a social worker by profession, stay-at-home mom by choice. And we're going to talk about the twins. Just as easy as that. Right. And then go, what are we going to do today, ladies and gentlemen? So you really yeah. build a confidence yeah. in your experience. Yeah. So your experience and wisdom yeah. developed into a confidence. Yes. It was yeah. a little, another persona, even. Yeah. And when they at the table asked me, well, what is sensory processing disorder? Well, I took them on an, um, an, um, a journey. I took them all. There was like maybe five or six of them in the room, darkened the room and said, okay, we're going to learn what that is together. And by the time we were about ooh, 10 minutes into it, they were like, whoa. And I'm like, yep. Now imagine that, having that issue with all your senses being bombarded. For those of you who don't know what sensory processing mm-hmm. is, your your whole entire senses get bombarded and you're, you can't really express what it is you want to say and you're kind of stuck, and they might be having a conversation with somebody, and you you start acting out because, as you know, all of our senses we get our all of information in it, but we can't we we act it out behaviorally. Yeah. And then everybody's telling you not to do that. You're like, right, right. all anxious. Right. Well, that's Robert, right. times ten. So one thing I'm yeah. hearing, I think, is really important for parents to hear, especially when you're at the very beginning of the journey, yeah. is that you do develop a confidence yeah. and that your ability to advocate grows yeah. and be an advocate grows and yeah. it will serve you in the future. Yeah. No matter what that is, sometimes even just not related to disability, just advocating for ourselves. And like, like you learn how to get that confidence. Yeah. And I think that's really important. Yeah. And then you like you have the question, where do we start at? Well, hopefully... Hopefully, there will be that advocate to say, you know what? Come on, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. I will show you. I will show you where. But again, it's up to you to take that information and feel it out. Yeah. And, and not have them have to make that decision right there that day. They got a lot. Of, they got a lot to be dealing with when they first learned that their kiddo has special health needs. Absolutely. It's okay. very it's, it's, emotional. Yeah. It's very difficult. Yeah, because you learn. You. I think we all have, I think it's fair to say we all deal with, we got this baby, mm-hmm. 10 toes, 10 whatever, you know, oh, yay. And then, and then, oh, but mom and dad, we were dealing with this. Okay. So it's a little bit of a grief there. There's a mm-hmm. little bit of a, what does that mean? It's a little bit of anxious. You know, how, how is that going to work? Right. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping for, you know, everybody that there'll be that person to go, okay, breathe. Yes. Yeah. Breathe. 
her first thing you need to do is just, it'll be okay. We'll work it through. Right. It may not be the same, the, the land that you wanted it to be. It's not, you know, it's not Holland, <laughs> yeah. but it's, but it'll be Illinois. Or, right. Know, it'll be okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so what, yeah. in, in your journey, was there anything in particular that just, I mean, you mentioned this great school, so that would be one example. Yeah. Is there anything else you can think of that just was like, that saved the day? Like just that one <laughs> The lack of a moment. Policy, or, whatever or, or, it was that really made policy. it go well. Hmm. Or, or something that you ran into that just really helped your son. Okay. That you were, it was like, like oh, I just hope that's there for everyone else in the future because it made such a difference for us. Mm. Um, no, I, 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 I just, not exactly a policy or um, just being able to really get that confidence and saying, hey, I need to advocate here. I need to my, my voice to be heard. Yeah. Um, being able to just take that step back and write it all out. Yeah. Okay, just that. Just to be able to have them say they, and I mean, it sounds funny, but it's they and us. You know it feels what? that way. It feels sometimes. that way, yeah. Really I mean, yeah. Does. Mom and dad, it's okay. Mm-hmm. We don't have to make a decision today. If you could just say that. Yeah. Yeah. Or you know what? Let's table this and tell. Is that okay with you? And, and make it back on them and feel them out versus having them them say, well, you know, we know what's best. Right. Mm, yeah. No, not all the time. And it's, and it's okay for them to go, oh, well, you know what? I don't know what's best. Right. You're right. mom and dad, and we're here to help you. So the, yeah. really, so the parents are part of the team yeah, as well, opposed to, which is how it's supposed yeah, to yeah, be. We right. are part of the IEP team, for right. instance. But but that's a really important thing. So one thing that really works is when, whether well, it's a te- you know the yeah. IEP team or the medical team or yeah. whatever it is, really, really truthfully includes the parents yeah. as an equal part of that yes. team. Yes, and I think that's, that's what I'm trying to say is yeah. once you understand that you're all there, you know, you each have your role and that's important. Mm-hmm. But mom and dad, and this is, this was said to me, mom and dad are the team leaders. Yeah. Why? Because they're bringing their child to you, the service. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yes, you've all you've all gone to your trainings and your you know whatever that may be to get you to the table. Kudos to you and everything you do. Okay. But but period, not a but but period. We're bringing you our child and saying, here, okay? We won't have that experience in, you know, developmental or issue or mm-hmm. um, milestone or whatever that might be. We might because we might be a nurse. Right. And we have a second hat on our head. Right. But if we don't, we're looking to you to say, okay, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. We've gotten here. Okay, what's next? Right. Fill, help us fill in that blank. Right. Don't make the answer for us, but just... Give us that list, that options. Right. So, so this has been a long journey. And as we always say in all these interviews, we know it changes moment to moment. But mm-hmm. where are you right now? Do you feel like you're swimming, treading water, drowning? Where, where do you feel right now? <sighs> well, that's a very, it's kind of a hard question, mm-hmm. especially if it's day to day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this morning, I felt like I was drowning a little bit. Mm-hmm. Only because, um, well, 
because I've got four kiddos and I'm trying to get them all upset, ready for, for school. And, and they're all like, oh, I don't want to. And they're all boys. No, but. <laughs> and school's yeah. just starting. And school's just starting. It's a very challenging yeah. time yeah, for many is. of us. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 you know, of course the hours are different and. We're all morning summer. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it's just, it's just trying to get them back in that routine and then working with each person who, you know, each child is an individual anyway, right. even if they are twins, um, getting to go get on board and get out the door. Right. And then, you know, then you can breathe when everybody's out of the door and they're in their places and you feel like, yep, they've all got the experts around them. The school people are around them. They're fine. And, you know, uh, my spiritual part comes up to me because I had read this a couple days ago, Diane, God saying, hi there. Remember, I've got them. Mm-hmm. They'll be okay. You need to go take care of yourself and yeah. and do whatever it is you need to get done before you you deal with them again. And they say, "Hi, mom, how you doing?" You know, <laughs> okay. Take that window. Yeah, right, right, right. A little right. bit, even if, even if it's a couple hours. You know. Well, yeah. Speaking of which, how do you take care of yourself? Huh. Or well, how do you survive? If or survival techniques, whatever <laughs> is applicable. Okay. Um, right now. I will tell you when I when I dropped off the kids for the first time this summer, this you know the first day of school, my mentor, one of my mentors, and she's no longer with us. She's on the other side of heaven. Um, she said to me, Diane. She said, Diane, when you drop off your last kiddo, you spend that day doing exactly what you want to do. Because you know, there's a there's there's we work. You know, we we go to school, we get a job. We have an identity like that. Mm-hmm. And then when you when you choose or situations happen when you're no longer working and you become a stay-at-home mom because you choose to do that or however that works out, you become that person. Mm-hmm. Mom and hat and banker and all the things of momhood and, and, and house, running house and life and all that. CEO. I mean, you're doing CEO, a lot. Mom does a lot. <laughs> and, you know, we all see, when I speak with, we all seen that picture where it's like, Okay, let's just add this up, and we don't get that paycheck. Absolutely. Okay, and I'm not saying you know women. You know, women go work if you need to. That's totally fine. That's your thing. That's your passion. You know. Yet, if you're at home, you know we have to find our perks. What is it that we're staying home for? Right. You know what's right. what is it we want to get paid for? You know all that. Yeah. So, I have been fussing for the last oh, maybe year. Okay, Diane, what are you going to do when you grow up? And your kiddos are at school. Mm-hmm. Huh? I'm going to celebrate now. <laughs> <laughs> and I did. Like I was like, oh my gosh, that's kind of funny, you know. But then I went back to, okay, what, what does Diane want to do? Yeah. Well, Diane liked to read. Diane did her genealogy. But I, I did. I did even while I was having my kiddos. We you know, my not. They're not grown, but I would still find time to do that. But I do my genealogy. Um, I you know I you know, I watch TV but I'm it's for uh, historical reasons yeah. and stuff. I get on my computer and I look for those resources. You know, again, if you can't find it here in Des Moines proper, I'm going to find one outside of Des Moines proper. And I might make a cold call and say, "So listen up, people out there. If I get a cold call from Diane, I might be wanting to bring your program here. Mm-hmm. You know, are you yeah. thinking about that? Can you make something similar here because it's not here? Right. And I'm going to kind of bust your bubble and get you out of the comfort zone and bring you here. Yeah. Um, trying to, uh, well, you know, as a social worker, I go get my CEUs. Mm-hmm. So I want to go my trainings and learn all about it. Yeah. yeah. And just, I don't know, 
and just do that. Right. So that I can just yeah. see on your face. I mean, our yeah. listeners can't see your face, yeah. but you just light up. When you're <laughs> exactly. About it. So yeah. obviously, this this energizes you. It nourishes yeah. you. That and if you if you put a person in front of me, it's like you know what? I have this dream, and I'm like, really? Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about your dream, please. You know. And they're like, well, I want to be so and so, and I'm like, that's great. Why are you not doing it? And they're like, I don't know. No, really. What do you have to do in order to get there? Right. I don't know. So I'm your girl. I'll go, well, let's research that. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, there's a couple things I'm going to be doing, too. I'm going to be going to my mother-in-law's um, nursing home. And I talked with the activity director. And we're going to be um, putting together a genealogy type um, what do you call it? lesson or oh, a, how fun. Um, be description of them? Yeah, you know, and it's so and they're you know if they're dealing with dementia a little bit. Hopefully that'll push that away a little bit. Yeah. and break open those memories. Okay, they do say things like that yeah. can really help. So yeah. I, I I had that inspiration. So I followed through and called. And I said, okay, we'll figure that out. Um, so I'm supposed to be meeting with them sometime. Oh, that'll be nice. Yeah, and then I'm going to be making a little newsprint about. Alice, right. you know, and we can put them on their door, a little bio. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that so be nice. that's one thing I'm doing. And then I um, also, I, like I told you earlier, uh, I had an interview a couple hours for the genealogical place here uh, in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Or actually, it's West Des Moines. Um, yeah, West Des Moines. And um, I'm going to be able to help families come together and, and find their family members. And That's exciting. It is. Um, yeah. I, I, I've always had that drive to do it. And then I've been doing on my husband's side, his family. That's so much fun because <laughs> this family on his grandmother's side did not know that they've had all these relatives. So and, they're discovering new people. Uh-huh. And then, and then get them, you know, involved. Go, what? And so they find out that there's like 14 siblings of this, of the great grandparents. Wow. And so each That's one amazing. of them has, yeah. And each one of them has a descendant of two or three. And then you find them and you connect them together. And they're like, it's just so fun to watch. Cause they're like, I, look at you. You're my kid. And you look a lot. And that's so, yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. So we always send these interviews with the same question. Anyone who's around kids has a funny story. Uh, <laughs> but is, is there a moment that you think of as just like the most laughable moment or something that just makes you smile when you look back at yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, there's a couple of them, so I'll share that with. Um, I'll, give, I'll give each one their due. Well, when we when we're getting ready to have Robert, I'm in the hospital. And I'm so tight and just really tense. I've never done this before. And my brother-in-law comes in, boom, the door, you know, and he goes, girl, you haven't had that baby yet? <laughs> just started laughing. I'm like, no, man. Working on it. Yeah, he goes, he goes, well, get to pushing, get to pushing. And I just broke up laughing because I never expected him to even come in there and do that. You know, he wasn't the type I thought. And it really, and it really, attention. really, really attention. Yeah. And it was fun, yeah. Um, with my son, Michael, he always, I mean, he... He just does it. You know, he, he sees me hanging out and all of a sudden he'll just come over to me like, what you doing, mom? What you doing, mom? <laughs> Let me tell you all about it, mom. And he has, and he's learning how to, to do voices. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So he's a comedian tap dancer and, and he'll come in sliding in like for the stair and slide back out. So I'm always, you know. They're always just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the twins, 
for those of you who've had twins or triplets, you just know that any day is going to be something something funny. <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, but just recently, I took the kids up to the school and told their teachers, well, my oldest twin, Junior, Okay, guys, the doors to the backyard or the playground is right here. And his classroom is right there. So you might want to make sure that he doesn't go out that. Okay, we'll make sure he doesn't, Mom. Okay. So later on that afternoon, Mom? Yeah? Well, one of them got out. Well, was it Junior? No, it was the other one. He left the the building. And I didn't prepare those teachers for him. It wasn't supposed to be (laughs) him. It was a... Like, oh no, so I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. and so there, yeah. there's always something. There's always something in my house. I'm I got the four sons and my husband, and that's enough to keep anyone busy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mothers on the Frontline podcast, copyrighted in 2019. Today's podcast host was Tammy Nyden. The music is Old English, written, performed, and recorded by Flame Emoji. For more podcasts relating to children's mental health, go to mothersonthefrontline.com or subscribe to Mothers on the Frontline on iTunes, Android, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. If you would like to support our work, please make a tax-deductible donation on our website. Again, it's mothersonthefrontline.com That's one word, mothers on the front line.